You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we are going to preview Super Bowl 57. We are just hours away, possibly, by the time you hear this podcast, from these two teams finally getting on the field and getting it on after media night on Monday night and all the silliness that goes on there, the practices, all the media events, the analysis, the X's and O's, all the breakdowns from all the great podcasts you've gotten from here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We're actually going to see these guys actually play football in just a couple of days and maybe even a few hours depending on when you're listening to this. We're going to get the Chiefs' perspective on things here on this podcast. That's what we do here on Eye on the Enemy. We keep an eye on the enemy, and helping us do that this week, Ron Kopp, lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride, will join us in just a minute. He's a big X's and O's film breakdown guy for Arrowhead Pride, and he's going to talk about Patrick Mahomes, what the offense will look to do against the Birds' defense, and uh, what the Birds' offense might be able to get done against the Kansas City defense, and we'll get his prediction. I'll give you my thoughts on the game towards the end of the podcast as well, along with a prediction. I feel like I've been pretty on the money with these last couple of predictions uh, in the playoffs thus far against the Giants and the 49ers. I didn't think the game would be close against the 49ers last week. Turned out not to be close for a number of very different reasons than I was expecting, but I was expecting the Eagles to dominate that team. And I got to say, I'll, I'll hold it in abeyance until the end of the podcast, but feeling pretty good about things as we head into Super Bowl 57. But before we jump into our conversation with Ron, uh, Every year now, the NFL is having kind of a big awards show that they do. Uh, it's called the NFL Honors. Uh, and during this uh, show, that's when the Associated Press Award winners are announced. And looking at some of the awards here, the Eagles are obviously, with the season they had, prominently involved in all, almost all of these different award categories. So let me run down some of these because some of these just don't make any sense. And I don't know what voters are thinking. I don't know what AP writers are looking at when they're making these decisions, but um, the AP NFL Assistant Coach of the Year, D'Amico Ryans, won uh, a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, beating out uh, Ben Johnson, the excellent offensive coordinator for the Lions, and Shane Steichen finished in third place. He did not receive any first-place votes, but did receive six second-place votes, uh, but fell way behind D'Amico Ryans and Ben Johnson, and it's hard to argue. I think the AP writers got that one right, uh, but Shane Steichen finishing in third place on that list. Uh, Jonathan Gannon uh, finishing in sixth place with 18 points, and Jeff Stoutland finishing in seventh place with 11 points. So Gannon and Stoutland getting some down-ballot love uh, from the AP writers in terms of Assistant Coach of the Year awards, but uh, D'Amico Ryans uh, wins that one, and it's hard to argue the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator really is something special. AP NFL Offensive Player of the Year award went to Justin Jefferson, of the Minnesota Vikings, Jefferson gets 35 first-place votes with 192 points. He ran away with it from Patrick Mahomes, who finished with 10 first-place votes. Jalen Hurts came in third place at 52 points, uh, behind Mahomes' 75 total points. Jalen Hurts did earn three first-place votes. Uh, the only other player to get a first-place vote uh, was Tyree Kill earned a first-place vote, and it looks like uh, Josh Allen also got a first-place vote there. AP NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, runs away with it. If only he ran as hard to the quarterback in the NFC Championship game. 46 first-place votes to dominate this category, winning with 237 points overall. Micah Parsons finished in second place with 101 points, but he did not receive a single first-place vote. Chris Jones received a third-place vote. Hassan Reddick finished fourth in points, but actually 
took two first place votes. That was he's the only player other than Nick Bosa to earn more than one first place vote for AP NFL Defensive Player of the Year, but finished fourth in terms of total points. Interesting vote breakdown there. AP NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, Garrett Wilson earns that one with 18 first place votes. This was a close vote. Uh, Garrett Wilson finished with 156 total points. Kenneth Walker finishing with 19 first place votes. One more than Wilson, but Wilson got more, way more second place votes. 19 compared to Walker's 8. And so uh, he finished with 129 points. Brock Purdy uh, finished in in third place with six first place votes. Chris Olave uh, got five first place votes. No Eagles listed on that list. This is really the Eagles draft picks from this year really didn't have to do all that much. And AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sauce Gardner wins this one running away. The Jets' excellent cornerback. 46 first place votes. Aiden Hutchinson of the of the Lions got three first place votes. And Tariq Woolen got one first place vote. Again, no Eagles on this list. But again, not to be, that's not a big surprise. There weren't a whole lot of uh, Eagles rookies that, uh, aside from Reed Blankenship late in the season, that really was were needed to contribute here in 2022. AP NFL Coach of the Year. This was obviously Obviously a sham. Who I, I can't I just can't imagine what people were thinking here. Brian Dable did a great job with the Giants and turned around a franchise, and I can understand giving him this award. I really I, I can I can make an argument for Brian Dable. I, I guess you could. But he he lost in fact all of the finalists, the three finalists, Brian Dable, Kyle Shanahan, Doug Peterson, all lost to Nick Sirianni this year. Dable finishes in first place with 16 first place votes, 123 total points. Kyle Shanahan got 12 first place votes, finished with 100 points. Doug Peterson finished in third place with 75 points, had five first place votes. Sean McDermott actually had seven first place votes uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Nick Sirianni finishes in fifth place in total points with 45 points, did get six first place votes, but... How do you? How does Nick Sirianni finish behind Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, and Brian Dayball? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't. I don't. That breakdown is beyond. It's. It's almost like people were who were voting for these awards weren't paying attention to what actually happened in the season. Brian Dayball lost twice to Nick Sirianni in the regular season when the votes were get were, were tallied. Now you can't count playoff games because these votes were made before the playoffs, but just again, didn't make any sense. Neither does AP NFL comeback player of the year. Geno Smith wins with 28 first place votes, 171 points. What is Geno Smith coming back from being mediocre? Like what, what are we, what are we rewarding here? He was just lackluster his whole career and then has a career year. Okay, that's not a comeback. You didn't have to overcome anything. Christian McCaffrey, 12 first place votes. Yes, he had to overcome an injury. I can understand that one a little bit more. Saquon Barkley had to overcome an injury. Okay, I can see that. Brandon Graham, two first place votes, man. Dude came off a ruptured Achilles. He's age 31. He had the best season of his career. How is it not Brandon Graham? Makes absolutely no sense. What a It's a ridiculous vote. And finally, the AP NFL MVP, no surprise, but I guess I'm a little surprised that it was the landslide that it was. Patrick Mahomes wins the AP NFL MVP, got 48 out of 50 first place votes. It wasn't unanimous. Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen each got a first place vote, but Patrick Mahomes wins AP MVP with 490 points, Jalen Hurts with 193, Josh Allen 151, Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson coming at numbers four and number five. Uh, A.J. Brown uh, gets some down ballot votes uh, at number nine overall. Um, So nice to see that. And uh, yeah, that was the only other eagle um, here. Justin Fields got a point. What is what is going on? Just just he had a fifth place vote. Justin Fields gets a fifth place vote here in this Okay, um, sounds good. Uh, I'm not sure what that's all about, but yes, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes wins the AP NFL MVP. Jalen Hurts finishes in second place with one first place vote. All right, that's enough of all that. Let's get into our conversation here with Ron Kopp. He's the lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. We are coming up on, again, just days, maybe hours away from Super Bowl 57 kicking off, and Ron's going to give us uh, a real insight into what's been going on with the Chiefs here in the playoffs and during the course of the 2022 season. You can follow him on Twitter at Ron underscore Kopp. Ron, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? 
John, I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me on, man. Um, this is this is you're right. It's been two weeks. It's been way too long. Um, I'm definitely ready for the oh. game. I feel like I've done enough analyzing, enough looking at you know the different things. I'm just ready to see a gameplay, but obviously ready to talk about it too. So let's get into it. Like Ron, I had to unplug for a couple of days. I, I had to go. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Inv- no, I mean because like it's at a certain point. It's it's information overload. Like how many how many different player profiles can you read before you start to before it all starts to make your brain into mush and you know like we we get it Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal how many different ways do you need to break this down you know he's going to be really hard to beat it, it, there's just and so I but I think there are some good angles we can take here um, as we as we record on Thursday night looking ahead to this game before we get into X's and O's let me get an injury update from from you all from the Kansas City side was looking at uh, the Thursday practice reports and it, it really looks as though almost all of those guys who got hurt in the AFC championship game looks like they're going to be ready to go. Um, although I did see on Thursday that uh, uh, cornerback, uh, your cornerback Sneed, um, Legereus Sneed is, uh, was limited in practice, uh, not because of the concussion that he suffered, but because of some kind of a knee injury. And obviously that would be a, a huge loss if he can't play. What's, what's the latest that you all are hearing about Legereus Sneed and his status for Sunday? Man, yeah, you're right. It's not the concussion, and it's not something that was on the Wednesday injury report. So you you imagine it popped up um, between Wednesday and Thursday at some point, which is obviously not good. He was a limited participant in Thursday's practice. But the thing is, he, he did deal with a little bit of a knee injury earlier this season, um, and he did play through it, but he was he, it was something that he's he's talked about openly. And so maybe it's just that. Hopefully it's just that, something he can play through, something he has played through this year. Um, but yeah, that's that's a big thing, and and also Kadarius Tony obviously was a limited participant in last week or Wednesday's practice. He was full on Thursday. That's good to see because the Chiefs do not have McCole Hardman for this game. He was placed on IR, and Tony and Hardman both kind of uh, play a very key role in this offense in terms of uh, speed and, and kind of getting to the edge. And they need one of them, so it's good that that yeah. hopefully Tony's in there. But yeah, those are the two main ones. Besides that, you're right. You know, guys like Willie Gay is a full participant. Um, and, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster, a full participant. So, yeah, we're, we're looking good besides Snead, and I'm hoping, again, it's just that knee thing that he played through earlier this year. The, the big injury question, of course, uh, outside of the guys we just talked about, Pat Mahomes, how is his leg holding up? He looked a little gimpy in the, NFC, in the AFC Championship game, but certainly good enough to get the job done. Um, I would imagine that they're optimistic he'll look even better in the Super Bowl with an extra week off to rest. Yeah, and I think we're all optimistic because, like you just kind of mentioned, I mean, you know, he was a little hobbled in the playoffs, but I mean, the fact that he was able to play through it, you didn't really notice it terribly until, you know, maybe he was moving around, you know, maneuvering the pocket, which he was definitely losing a little bit of that explosiveness in terms of getting up into the pocket, avoiding, you know, those speed rushers around the edge. But, you know, hey, when when it mattered most, he he turned it on and he kind of ignored it and, and got the scramble for the first down. So I, I think you're going to see a similar thing where, yeah, you, it maybe comes up a few times in the game, but for the most part, you're not going to notice it affect his performance. Let, let's talk a little bit about the season that Mahomes has had here because he didn't have his star speed wide receiver all season long. Tyreek Hill, the guy who lit the Philadelphia Eagles up last season, uh, early in the season when he's when he uh, went for three touchdowns and uh, Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns in a game where the, the Chiefs offense just rolled against the Eagles defense. But that was a long time ago. Uh, Tyreek Hill is no longer there. Um, the Eagles, it seemed to me as I look back at that game, really made a concerted effort to try and take Travis Kelsey out of that game, which singled up cornerbacks on guys like Tyreek Hill. And last year, they didn't have James Bradbury. Uh, they weren't able to get as much consistent pass, ru- pass rush from their from their front four and uh, really played into the Chiefs' hands at that point. Do you Is there anything from that game last year that you can apply to the Super Bowl, given given how long it's been? You know, it, it's a funny question because I, I do think it's easy to kind of write that off and say, oh, you know, so long ago, you know, two different teams. But a lot of a lot of about the Eagles, I would say, um, structurally what was was similar to what it is now. They just have added a bunch of personnel. Right. Obviously, the Chiefs have changed their offense mm-hmm. a little bit, but. I do think there is something too. you watch that game. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the obviously the, the aerial attack. But the Chiefs were getting, uh, you know, quite a bit of success on the ground in that game as well. Um, you know, the Eagles were really lightening the boxes, were really, you know, uh, you know, five bo- five man boxes at times, only one linebacker back there. And the Chiefs were taking advantage of it. The, the problem is this time, 
I, I do think you guys have upgraded the, you know, the offensive line or sorry, the defensive line personnel to the point mm-hmm. that it's not going to be as easy to get past that first wave and to the second level where maybe, you know, running backs can maybe exploit those linebackers a little bit like they did a little bit in that game. So I do think, you know, in terms of, of lightening those boxes, in terms of running against those light boxes, that could still be the, the, the same, right? I do think the Eagles could employ that strategy again, but I don't see a huge reason to because of uh, not only Mahomes' injury, but just, you know, the, the receiving core in general, losing Hardman, you know, obviously some bang-ups. You know, what the Bengals and Jaguars did to kind of, you know, uh, slow down the Chiefs' offense this postseason was really sell out and stop the run on early downs and and force them into more third and longs where, again, if, you know, Mahomes on his, you know, on an ankle that's maybe not 100%, maybe it's not the same fear that you have in a Mahomes when he is 100% on third and 10, all that. So, I do mm-hmm. think I do think the the run game is not going to be able to get going as much as it did that last time um, because of what the Eagles have added to their game. And you already mentioned it too. You know that th- their pass game. You guys have added Darius Slay at this point, and and the Chiefs have lost Tiger Kill. I mean, those are two you know opposite direction moves in, in terms of the yeah. pass game. So you know I do think the it, it's not going to be as easy against the pass or the run this time. And and that might sound obvious, but that's just the truth. And 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 unfortunately, the Chiefs really need one of those two aspects to really get going in this yeah. game. So I do think it's going to be harder on both accounts. And and so um, I don't know if there's much to take away, except that the Eagles have gotten you know a lot better personnel wise since that game. And the chiefs on offense technically have, have kind of taken a step back in the past game per- personnel wise. The numbers of Mahomes this year, though, were, were sparkling. How is he able to do what he did this season, given the fact that he didn't have Tyreek Hill? Yeah, it took a lot more, um, I would say, discipline, right? I, I do think he was he was definitely more willing to go to his checkdowns quickly, um, you know, just kind of take the passes that that turn into yards after catch. And, and actually, I bring that up to say that the Chiefs actually uh, earned the most yak, the most yards after catch in an NFL season in, in the last 15 years is, is the stat I saw, and I don't think they tracked it before that. So the yak was a huge part of a, a part of their game plan this year or this season, obviously. Last year it should have been when the when when defenses started doing those two high shells and really taking away the vertical passing game. Mahomes just wasn't willing to 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 do it as much maybe last year. I think he he did come more disciplined this year, and I just think the run game in general has been more effective and impactful um, throughout the season. It's just in the playoffs it really has been, and that's mm. why you've seen the Chiefs' offense really. You know they they had to fight their way to twenty three points. They had to you know really claw and scratch their way to twenty seven points against the Jaguars. So. It just the run game being you know, slowing down a little bit definitely has, has hurt the Chiefs' passing attack in the postseason. But when it was going well during the regular season, that's why I think you saw uh, some a good level of efficiency. So the run game has been really important to Mahomes' uh, development. As you look at what the Eagles do on defense and what they have done on defense, especially here in the postseason where they've been utterly dominant, is this a better defense than the def- than the the Chiefs played against the Jaguars and against the Bengals? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I think it is. Um, the Bengals have a really good defense, I will tell you, but it's the personnel that that makes the Eagles a more dangerous threat. I mean, you, you're talking about a lot of different names up on that defensive mm-hmm. front, especially on the edge. And that's where I really do think, you know, something to compare to the Bengals. You know, Trey Hendrickson has always given Orlando Brown Jr. problems, um, but, you know, Orlando Brown Jr., our left tackle, did a good job in the AFC Championship. But these the guys that the Eagles can send at him and, and you know in certain situations obviously obviously Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat both of those guys are very dynamic rushers and 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 kind of like Hendrickson in the way that they can win with hands they can win with technique and skill and, and bend around the edge that's what really gets Brown right Brown wants you to just bull rush him and 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 he'll, yeah. he'll anchor and, and pick you up right I mean he's a big dude but he doesn't he doesn't like dealing with the 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 speed rushes of guys bending around the edge and and I and Reddick has just been a monster this year with with really just mm-hmm. being you know a dynamic rusher and obviously Josh Sweat has been too so those two guys on top of you know everyone else in that defensive line rotation obviously it, it makes the defense in general better than what they've seen these last couple of weeks and specifically on the offensive tackle position Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. that's where I'm really worried if I'm a Chiefs fan because I I, I think what the Eagles can present against what the, the Chiefs offensive tackles like to block. It, it's, a, it's a mismatch, I would say, for sure. And this is what I come to when, I'm, when I think about the Chiefs offense and, and what, what they can do against Philadelphia. I've seen this script with Andy Reid when he was in Philadelphia, when he, was, he used, uh, and Donovan McNabb is not nearly the quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is, but when he was running out there with James Thrash and Todd Pinkston and Freddie Mitchell and all, before, the, before Terrell Owens came, came along, before Deshaun Jackson and, and Jeremy Macklin came along, the Eagles tried to get along with 
throwing to the tight ends, throwing to the running backs. And they got a lot of production out of that. You know, when they had Westbrook and Deuce Staley, uh, Chad Lewis, all those different guys. Andy Reid's offenses functioned very well, and they got deep into the playoffs. They got to a Super Bowl against the Patriots. But at a certain point, not being able to get the ball to your wide receivers and not being able to have a solid running game, no matter how good your quarterback really is kind of a death knell in today's NFL. And I think we talk a lot about the Eagles defensive front, but that trio of cornerbacks and Darius Slay, James Bradbury and Avante Maddox really can. And, and you throw CJ GJ uh, in there as well. Mm-hmm. They can, I, I just, if you, if they decide that they're going to double team Travis Kelsey and, and take him away, I don't feel like the chiefs have enough weapons elsewhere unless Pacheco is able to take a bunch of, passes out of the backfield and turn them into into big breakers. And that's my concern. Like Patrick Mahomes, as good as he is, he's going to have less time to throw, I think, than he's had against the Jaguars and against the Bengals these last couple of weeks. And we'll need to get the ball out quickly. And I don't know what the options are going to be there unless he's checking down to the running backs. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on. I'm glad you brought that point up because I do think a big part of this matchup, especially with the Chiefs offense, is trying to exploit uh, the Eagles at the second level and, and specifically the linebackers and some of the safeties, obviously some yeah. talented players, uh, you know, like a Chauncey Gardner Johnson, but you know, in, in terms of if you're ranking, you know, the personnel on that Eagles defense, you know, you're going to put the linebacker position towards the bottom. And that's what, oh, yeah. the, that's what the chiefs like to manipulate uh, with their offense in terms of misdirection, jet sweeps, you know, obviously the tight end over the middle, you know, Travis Kelsey, but yes, the running backs in the pass game. And, and that doesn't just mean check downs, right? That can mean the screen game. And that's, something we've seen Andy, you know, he, he doesn't, oh, yeah. he doesn't, he will pull it out, but not every, every game, not, not all the time, but specifically when they are playing these very good pass rushes, you saw it against the 49ers earlier this year. He really likes to, to really pull out the screen game and the jet sweep game, really just put those pass rushers in a bind, really make them think twice about, Oh shoot. You know, am I, am I rushing up field too quickly? You know, cause there's going to be something behind me. Andy Reid loves to do that. And I think this is going to be a game where you really see that. And, one little X factor in this game that, you know, a lot of a lot of people obviously have forgotten about this point is Clyde Edwards Hilaire is back on the active roster. And as much as he hasn't, you know, he's been a disappointment for our first round pick, he does make plays in the red zone. The Chiefs like to use him as a pass weapon in the red zone or just in short, short, uh, uh, short yardage situations in general. I really think him in the pass game um, could be a, could be an X factor here. And and again, the Chiefs trying to, you know, neutralize that pass rush and try to get to the second level. I think the screen game is going to be a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Eagles are going to be aggressive. Uh, but one of the advantages the Eagles have is they don't need to blitz all that often right. with that front four and the, and the wave they come at you. Um, those linebackers are less likely to get sucked too close to the line of scrimmage on those screen passes. But I, I do think the Eagles are susceptible to that. Like you said, uh, Kaiser White and uh, TJ Edwards, decent linebackers, but definitely the weak spot uh, on that uh, on that uh, Jonathan Gannon defense. And there is a worry on the on the on Eagles fans part. The Jonathan Gannon's defenses have never really shut down a great quarterback. Now, there's a reason great quarterbacks are great quarterbacks. Very few people are able to <laughs> shut them down. But, you know, the, Jonathan Gannon has a history of his defenses getting a little bit torched by good quarterbacks. And yet he's never had his defenses playing as well as as this group is right now. So um, I think Eagles fans are as much as we are kind of bristling at the whining that the 49ers are doing about not having a quarterback in this in the second half of that game and and all that. You look at the way this defense is playing right now. It, it does seem as though Gannon's unit is playing at an elite level, no matter who is back there at quarterback right now. Yeah. And, and that's the thing you mentioned the schedule, you know, the fact that they haven't maybe, uh, you know, gone, I mean, they've gone against league quarterbacks, but maybe not shut down one, but uh, you know, that, is, that is mostly one... looking to last year, Ron. Yeah. I mean, it was mostly last year and it was, di- you know, much different personnel. That's a much more talented defense this year. Right. Exactly. And, that, and that's the main thing to me is, is, you know, if you have, if you're a defensive coordinator and you don't have, you know, pretty good talent, I mean, you know, what, what can you do really? I mean, to an extent in this, in this yeah. often, in this offensive league. So, you know, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you can necessarily, you know, get on them too much for, you know, for, Oh, you got better personnel, but the personnel is good, man. And that's the thing, especially with, with the way, you know, the chiefs want to win on offense, you know, in terms of, of passing the ball a lot, you mentioned, yeah, obviously not having the receivers, you know, the, the, the Eagles, you know, not blitzing and stuff, they're going to be able to keep their coverage, you know, back there. And so that's where, you know, Mahomes, obviously, the Bengals ha- were really kind of test. I kind of mentioned earlier, the Bengals were really testing the pass game by bringing an extra defender in- closer to the line of scrimmage and playing a lot of one high looks. 
I don't think you're going to see the Eagles give them as many one high looks. And and even yeah. then, the Chiefs were only mustering 23 points in that game. So it is an yeah. interesting point there. All right, when we come back, we're going to flip the script and we're going to take a look at how the Chiefs defense is going to take care of the Eagles offense, or at least how they're going to try to do it. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's flip the ball over and uh, let's take a look at what the Chiefs defense is going to do against the Eagles offense. And uh, obviously the Chiefs defense doesn't uh, rate as highly uh, in terms of DVOA and all that as, as, the, uh, as the, uh, their offense does. Uh, it's a decent unit. It's, a, it's probably, would, you, would it be fair to say that the Chiefs defense is a league average unit? I would say so, yes. Not above or below. I would say average. Right. Yeah. One of the things they do well, though, is rush the quarterback. Second in the NFL in sacks, only to the Eagles, of course, uh, but 15 behind uh, Philadelphia. 55 sacks is still a lot of sacks, though, for a 17-game uh, season. And the, the big question, of course, is Jalen Hurts. He hasn't had to be Superman in these two playoff wins. You know, the, mm -hmm. the lines have been so dominant in these two in these two wins for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts hasn't had to do a whole lot. You know, he flashes early, gets them on the board with some big passing plays early, and then they just grind that running game in the, you know, halfway through the second quarter and into the second half. And uh, both the Giants and the 49ers just didn't know how to deal with it. And it's kind of the formula the Eagles have had all season long. And the way I see this kind of shaking out is the Eagles looking to throw the ball early, looking to get the ball down the field a little bit early, and then using the run game as the game goes along to kind of try and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Is that is that kind of how you see things going down? How do you see things going on with the Eagles offense early in the game? I do think if the Eagles are, you know, smart or whatever, I, I think you're right. I think the strategy would be spot on is, hey, come out and pass early because I do think one thing with the Chiefs is I, I, I imagine they're going to want to run blitz. They're going to want to try to stop the run and force Hurts to throw on third and longs. It's not as easy as it sounds, obviously, right, in terms of, of stopping the run, in terms of getting them to those third and longs. But I do think you're going to see the Chiefs try to get to those situations. And that means on early downs, being very aggressive, obviously, right? You know, trying to stop those runs from getting to second and five, second and four, trying to get them into a second and 10, third and 10. And so, yeah, I do think if the if the Eagles match that by coming out aggressive and passing early, you know, not just kind of saying, OK, we're going to run on, on first down and, and and all that. I do think that that that'll that'll be an advantage. And, and I'm really curious to see how the Chiefs match up with the Eagles receivers, because A.J. Brown obviously is someone that needs a little size to cover him. And, and they do have a couple guys that can do that. Legereus need we talked about in the injury report, but also rookie Jalen Watson. But you know, that's a rookie. That's a seventh round rookie who's played well, but has not, you know, obviously an AJ Brown is, is, is a, you know, a different type of story, but the, the key matchup I'm watching here, I'm really excited about actually is whenever Trent McDuffie and uh, Devonte Smith get uh, matched up together. Cause I really do think mm. those are, you know, two of the young up, you know, rising stars at their position, you know, McDuffie, obviously not as well known as Smith, um, but I do think McDuffie is on his way to being a really good corner and they both really just match up it's it, it's a style makes fights kind of thing, right? Like they're both kind of the same same style in terms of finesse, but has power in their game, strength in their game for how big they are. But neither is going to overwhelm the other with power. And so I do think it's going to be a lot of skill in that matchup. And you're going to see a lot of those man on man matchups because of what I said, because of you know the Chiefs wanting to be aggress aggressive against the run. You know they're confident in their corners right now, and and that might and that might not be a good thing. And and we'll see, but. <laughs> They are confident in their corners, and I think you're going to see them trust them, and that's going to give the Eagles opportunities to, to make big plays in the pass game. As we mentioned, you know, this uh, defensive line is is something else, and Chris Jones is obviously maybe maybe he'll win Defensive Player of the Year, maybe not, but he certainly uh, is deserving of it if it's not him. 
how are they going to use him in this game? Are they going to match him up? Is he going to go up against Lane Johnson? Is he going to go up against Mylotta? Is he going to play inside more more than he shifts? to? The, I know he's more of an inside player than an outside player all, anyway, but how, how do they... I mean, you've seen the Eagles take out Dexter Lawrence. They've take, they took out Nick Bosa. They've taken out other teams' best defensive players, Micah Parsons, kind of all season long. How do, how do the Chiefs avoid that trap, too? Yeah, it's going to be tough because the best way to avoid that trap is to have other pass rushers succeed, right? To have other pass rushers do well. And, yeah. you know, this is one thing about this matchup. Uh, you talk about the pass rush. I think the Chiefs pass rush has 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 gotten favorable, you know, some favorable matchups in the postseason in term, especially on the edge at the offensive tackle positions. You know, not to say, you know, the, the Jaguars and, and, you know, offensive tackles are terrible or anything, but just not the not the capability of what the Eagles have in Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata. And especially with the way those two I, I, I see and I imagine the way they can have the foot quickness while also being powerful and, and, and the Chiefs. Chiefs edges really need to be able to overwhelm an offensive tackle powerfully because they do not have the the dynamicism, the bend around the edge, the, the the get off to really make someone sweat about getting around the edge and then all of a sudden, okay, you know, there's an inside move here now. No, they they don't have that right. They they really need yeah. to. They have edges that really just want to win with power and not much else. And and so that's where I'm a little worried because they're going to get locked down and Chris Jones is going to get double teamed a lot. So I really think it's about that second interior rusher. It's been a couple guys on in third down packages, but whether it's Colin Saunders or Mike Dana, they really need to step up. But in terms of on 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 early downs, it's going to be Chris Jones inside. I do think on pass downs, you'll see Chris Jones move to the outside just because he probably is the best, uh, you know, person in terms of being able to beat a, a, a Johnson or a Mylotta on the entire team. And that also gives the other uh, rushers on the team maybe a little bit more favorable an advantage. I know Landon Dickerson's dealing with a little bit of an injury, and and you know I, I think they'd rather you know defensive ends would rather go against guards anyway than offensive tackles. So sure. I do think that's that's the one wrinkle you'll see on pass downs. He'll be on the edge, but uh, you know on early downs or you know uh, first and second downs or just base packages, he'll be inside and he'll probably get double teamed nearly every time uh, the Eagles drop back. Now, I would imagine we have not seen Jalen Hurts run all that much since he came back from the shoulder injury. He didn't run that much in the finale against the Giants. He didn't run that much in the playoff game against the Giants. And he really didn't run that much against the 49ers until that last scoring drive in the third quarter. And even then, you know, it were designed runs. It didn't look as though like he really it didn't. To me, it looks like he's really still trying to avoid contact. And, and I think that's fine. You know, great. is. This is the last game of the season, though, right? I mean, it's the right. Super Bowl. I don't think he's going to be trying to avoid contact in this game. How, if if the if the goal is to get pressure on Jalen Hurts, if the, if you get too aggressive on the outside, now all of a sudden Jalen Hurts has the ability to take off, and we haven't seen it in the playoffs all that much, but. We saw, I think, the 49ers with Bosa a couple of times. You saw him, especially early in the game. It was almost like a mush rush, you know, trying not to let yeah. Jalen Hurts get outside. But you lose some of your effectiveness as a pure pass rusher if, you, if you're not full out going against Jalen Hurts. And I imagine that's one of the areas as a defensive coordinator that you're really thrown by right now with Jalen Hurts and not knowing what you're going to get from him. I still think as an Eagles fan. I'm not sure what I'm going to see from Jalen Hurts on Sunday because I've seen so many different iterations of Jalen Hurts this season. Yeah, and and you're right. I think the defensive coaching staff has a very similar thought. And and to to be honest with you, I think the answer to that, you know, uh, ambiguousness, I guess, in terms of ambiguity, and in, in terms of you know what you're going to get from Hurts, I think the answer is just heat him up and blitz him quite a bit. I know we already kind of talked about that, but you talk about that mush rush from edge rushers. I think that almost is probably the better way to do it with the chiefs edge rushers and then have the blitzers really be the guys with the head on fire and, and trying to get in mm -hmm. there. And if the edge rushers are the ones cleaning it up because hurt hurts moves off his spot. I think that's something you, you might see from them. I, I do think you see spags get pretty blitz heavy here and just live with the volatility. I, I do think that's one thing the chiefs defense. I wish would just be more aggressive and live with the negative plays you give up because at this on the same on the same thing you can get you can make those positive plays with those volatile you know blitzes and 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 you know forcing quarterbacks to have hurried throws and and especially you know with with uh with a shoulder injury you know no one knows exactly how he's feeling obviously especially with two more weeks to to heal up he might be feeling great but i think with the, it's with, been eight weeks since it by the way it's been eight weeks since the injury right now which right. is which is the length of time you would normally expect. Now he's played since, so it's not like he's had eight weeks of rest, but uh, that number did hit. You know what I mean? Like right. he's two months out. That's about how long it takes to heal. 
Right. And, and so that's where, you know, even if he was healthy, you may just do it anyway because of the personnel difference, the talent difference mm-hmm. at a lot of key spots in this matchup. It's just a way to create big plays. And if you give up a few negative plays, you just got to you just got to hope your offense makes up for it. And then that you you know make up for it, obviously, by making a, a big positive play in the other direction at some point. So I would expect a lot of blitzing from Spagnola. I think that's the, the, the way to do this. I think if you just play soft and back and, and kind of play conservative. The Eagles are just going to, you know, chunk it up, you know, run at the run, but also that, you know, they're very good at screen passes, you know, get the ball to Smith quickly. And AJ mm-hmm. Brown's a great blocker on the perimeter. So I really think you're going to see, you know, very, very aggressive defense. And, and that means a lot of blitzing from linebackers and a guy like the Sneed if he does play. Last thing I want to talk about is the coaching. Uh, Andy Reid, obviously beloved in Philadelphia by most Eagles fans. There are some Eagles fans that never liked Andy and just are going to continue on that way. But I've always been an Andy guy. Um, one of the frustrating things about Andy Reed, uh, when he was in Philadelphia was that he, he would be great. He would be genius for most of the season. And there'd be that one game in a season. Usually it was in the NFC championship game, but it was in the Super Bowl against the Patriots as well, where, you'd kind of get a, an Andy Reed galaxy brain game where he overthinking things or terrible clock management. And now, you know, I, I watch some old playoff games and I watch his decisions on fourth down and every coach in the league was making the same decisions he was, but you look at him now and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he didn't go for it in there. <laughs> and I know Andy Reed has gotten more aggressive going for it on fourth downs since that time. But as far as like being one of the more progressive coaches in the NFL, in terms of, in-game uh, aggressiveness, going forward on fourth down, all that kind of stuff. He's not a, he's not where Nick Sirianni is, right? Nick Sirianni is going to go for it on fourth down if it's if it's anywhere close. And so, my thing with Andy Reid is, will this will he have a game? And he has he had many games with Kansas City where you lose an AFC Championship game or you lose a Super Bowl, and you're thinking, man, what was Andy thinking in that game? What was he doing? Like he just seemed like he was out coached and. <laughs> Have you had many of those games late in the season? And is that a worry at all for you as a Chiefs fan that you might get an Andy Reid game that I witnessed all too often growing up? You know, what's <laughs> funny is, is and you're totally right. I mean, I, I, I am a young Chiefs fan myself. I mean, I, part of me growing up was his early years in Kansas City, and that's when it happened the most. And, and it really did drive you crazy. But magically... They kind of disappeared once an elite quarterback got into the picture. <laughs> I was going to say, and and what that is is just that it's it's the quarterback doesn't allow him to to maybe have some of those galaxy brain um, drives, I should say. You know, game plan obviously. Mm-hmm. You know that that's all Andy, but it just does seem like you know with the way their base run game is a lot of the times. You know, they're, they're it's it's an RPO, it's a read pass option. Mahomes has the option to to, to take that and throw it right, or he has the option to yeah. control what what he can with that play, and so. You know, he, that kind of helps uh, some of the conservatism. I will say other things is just I, I, I do think in general, just him being Mahomes being on the sideline, the killer instinct. I do think he gets in Andy's ear a little bit and, and just says, you know, and just make sure the gas is still or the pedal still, you know, the, the foot's still on the pedal, right? The foot's still on the yeah, gas. Yeah. I do think there is some of that where, you know, Mahomes' youthful energy, his, 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 his fired upness just just rubs off on Andy a little bit. But, you know, it, just in general, though, they will still happen, but then Mahomes will cover them up, obviously. Just like last week, he does punt back to the Bengals with two minutes left, and and yeah. it's a tied game. Now, I you know, it's a fourth and eight, so it's a hard decision. You know, that, that's really tough, right? You don't want to give the Bengals the ball back even closer. So it actually probably ends up being the right decision, but there are times, there are decisions like that where in the game, you're really questioning it, and then all of a sudden, Mahomes makes you forget about it, and at the end of the game, no one's questioning it. So I think that's, I think he's still got it yeah. in him, but now he, he he has the ultimate eraser, the ultimate, yeah, everyone forget about that in, in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, as good as Donovan was, he was not that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was not Patrick Mahomes, for sure. All right, uh, Ron, uh, let's get a prediction from you. How do you see this thing shaking down on Sunday night? Oh man, it's, it's going to be a really fun game, dude. I, I anyone, I, I, I've seen a little bit of like the, Oh man, this isn't, you know, this isn't a fun Super Bowl. This is boring, you know, from the object, from the objective fan, which is complete BS. And that's my idiotic. Opinion. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know this is a <laughs> very fun Super Bowl. going to be a great game. I think it really, it really should be a close game. I don't see, I don't see why it would be uh, not a close game and you know, Hey, not a Homer, but I'm going to go with the chiefs, uh, 30 to sure. 27. I do just think, this is going to come down to the def- uh, one defense making a stop or two. And I'm going to say it, man. I, I just think I with Spagnuolo's defense, they've, they've gained momentum. I just see them making that one play that matters uh, just, just, just over them. So 30 to 27 Chiefs. 
I see both offenses having their way for most of the game, though. Hey, I respect that. If I was if I was writing for Arrowhead Pride, I'd be calling for the Chiefs here too. These are two really close teams. Uh, I think top to bottom roster, I think the Eagles have an edge. But uh, you've got Patrick Mahomes, maybe the best quarterback of this generation. Like you said, covers up for a lot of sins and uh, not even that many sins because the Chiefs are a legitimately great football team. So if the Eagles are able to pull this off, you won't be able to talk about the Eagles being frauds like we've seen uh, them called by so many other people here in the. Uh, uh, the football world, but it should be a great game. I agree. These are two really good teams going at it. Listen, folks, make sure, ch- make sure to check out Ron cop stuff over at arrowhead pride. Follow him on Twitter at Ron underscore cop. Ron, thanks for coming on. I and the enemy, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. All right. Well, let me give you my thoughts here on how things are going to go down in super bowl 57. As you could tell from my questioning, I'm feeling really good about this game. I, and I don't think it's just because I'm feeling homerish. At this moment, everybody seems to recognize and acknowledge that if you take these two rosters and put them side by side, the Eagles have the superior team at at probably two thirds of the positions, if not three quarters of the positions on the field. The Chiefs might have two of the four or five best players on the field or three of the best five players on the field, and then the next seven or eight are all Eagles. But you can't really match it up that way. You can't compare wide receivers to wide receivers, running backs to running backs. I always think that's kind of a specious argument. You have to match up the Eagles receivers against the Chiefs' cornerbacks, right? I mean, you have to match up the Eagles' offensive line against the Chiefs' defensive line. That's that's the way you match these rosters up because the Eagles' wide receivers aren't playing the Chiefs' wide receivers. That's not how this works. And so when you, when you do it that way, I just think this Eagles team is so overwhelmingly good that I don't think this game is necessarily going to be terribly stressful for the Philadelphia Eagles. Just like I didn't think it was going to be stressful against the 49ers. And it all comes down to the lines. This offensive line might be one of the best offensive lines we've ever seen in the NFL. As good as those Hogs lines from Washington back in the 80s, those early 90s Cowboys lines, there's at least two surefire Hall of Famers on this line. Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata are playing at a Pro Bowl level year in and year out. They are, if they continue to play in their very, very young careers, if they continue this way, they will likely be Hall of Famers someday. Now, there's a lot of road to hoe before anything like that happens, but that's how good this offensive line is. And as good as the Chiefs' defensive line has been, they have not faced an Eagles offense. They have not faced an offensive line like this Eagles line. And we've seen the Eagles... Look, I know the Eagles knocked Brock Purdy out of that game early and that Josh Johnson was never going to rally them. And even if Josh Johnson had stayed in the game and not gotten a concussion, and even if the 49ers had had a fifth-string quarterback throwing the football from midway through the third quarter on through that game, the Eagles were so thoroughly destroying the 49ers in the trenches on both sides of the ball that the, the Brock Purdy thing distra- has distracted everyone from that. The Eagles out-physicaled the Giants, and they out-physicaled a 49ers team that everyone thought was the roughest group in the NFL. And no, make no mistake, the 49ers' defense is legit. They are good. And the Eagles still imposed their will. And you just heard a second ago, Ron talking about it, the Chiefs struggled to put 23 points on the board against the Bengals. And the Chiefs' defensive line was able to get to Joe Burrow a lot in that game, but we all know the problems that the Bengals have on the offensive line protecting Burrow. The Eagles don't have anything like that. I think the the, the battle of these trenches is overwhelming in the Eagles' favor, not, not just slightly. And, and everybody appears to be healthy. I, I just, I, the key to this game is getting to Patrick Mahomes, is this defensive front getting to Patrick Mahomes. I see no reason why they can't do it. They can get pressure from up the middle and they can get pressure from the edges without blitzing. They don't have to blitz Patrick Mahomes in order to get to him. At least, at least they've shown over these last few weeks they haven't had to do it. 
and that's enormous when you can drop everyone down into coverage. And and you don't have to be worried about the Chiefs' running game, I don't think. you just They're not going to run the ball all that much. So you're going to play light boxes. You're going to have your three cornerbacks out there. The three, the best, you have the best offensive line in football, the, maybe the best defensive line in football, the best cornerback trio in football, one of the best wide receiver combinations in football, a running back room right now that is beating teams in all kinds of different ways. And oh, by the way, in Jalen Hurts, a quarterback who probably should have been the league MVP this year. If he had, he would have been the league MVP if he hadn't gotten hurt. A, a quarterback <laughs> that I mean, it still is incredible to say it out loud. They're sixteen and one with Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback this year. He has shown you that he can beat you throwing the ball. He has shown you that he can beat you running the ball. He has shown you that he can beat you with the running game using his running backs in the RPO. I, the the Brock Purdy injury has distracted everyone from recognizing how dominant the Eagles were in that NFC Championship game. And it's made everybody forget about how scared we all were. A lot of people were scared about the Giants. A lot of people picking the Giants in that divisional round because of how well they played against the Vikings. And a lot of people picking the 49ers because of how physical they were. The Eagles were stronger and bigger and more physical and more talented all over the field than those teams. And in the area where the where the where the charger where the uh, the Chiefs have a true advantage at quarterback, it's Patrick Mahomes. Yes, but I feel like we are giving Patrick Mahomes way too way too much fear. There, there, there's way too much fear. And yes, he won the MVP. He's no doubt the best quarterback in the league. Jalen Hurts played at a level very close to Patrick Mahomes. There, he he did it in different ways this year but played at a level very, very close to Patrick Mahomes. This Eagles team is dominant in the most important areas where it matters. They are dominant in the trenches. They are more dominant in the trenches than maybe we've seen an NFL team be on both sides of the ball in years. I can't remember the last time I saw a team that was this dominant on the offensive line and the defensive line, and they've got three cornerbacks that can shut people down one-on-one. They can go after Travis Kelsey and double-team Travis Kelsey, which is what I think they'll do. Not let that guy breathe, and he's going to get his. Kelsey's going to get his. But if you can keep the cornerbacks singled up on those wide receivers, who, again, are not that awesome, you're going to force Mahomes into check-down after check-down after check-down, and maybe they can matriculate the ball down the field that way. But if that's what Mahomes is doing, that's what you want. And this Eagles offense will move the ball. Listen, the key to this game is the defensive line getting to Mahomes, to force Mahomes off his spot, to get him to have to move around a little bit. We'll see exactly how injured his leg is. But to, to get Patrick Mahomes feeling uncomfortable, to getting rid of the ball sooner than he wants to. Yes, I'm nervous about Pacheco and, the, and Jarek McKinnon and all these other running backs as receivers out of the backfield making things happen. But I feel like if that's how Kansas City has to beat you, that's the way you would want them to beat you. And that's how they've won games. That's how they've moved the ball all season long. But I watched them struggle against the Bengals, and this Eagles defense, as you heard as you heard Ron say, is much better than Cincinnati's defense. I, I just, I, if the Eagles cannot get to Patrick Mahomes, the, the Chiefs will win this game, I think. But the Eagles have the ability, and here's how I see this playing out. I think they're going to throw the ball early to get ahead. I think they're going to do what they've done on their first few drives. Really look to try and get the ball to AJ Brown. Look to I, and what look to get the ball to Dallas Goddard. If they're if they're going to be blitzing Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard is going to is going to get a lot of targets. And if the Eagles are trying to take away Travis Kelsey, here's a bold prediction: I think Dallas Goddard finishes with more receiving yards than Travis Kelsey in this game. Because if the Chiefs are going to blitz, Jalen's either going to run if he sees a lane, because I think he is going to leave everything out on the field here in this game. Or he's going to check it down to Dallas Goddard and let Dallas Goddard get eight yards a pop. I think the Eagles have an answer for everything the Chiefs want to do. And I don't think the Chiefs have an answer for what the Eagles want to do. With the exception of Patrick Mahomes being some kind of magician. And I get it that it's wor- that he's, he's scary. It's a scary thing playing a quarterback this good. And the Eagles have not played a quarterback this good this year can't help that you can only play the guys who are on your schedule but we've been we've been nervous heading into every game 
at looking at Daniel Jones and how great he was playing, or Brock Purdy, if it's undefeated, his. I get it. Mahomes is a whole different thing. But I think we also, in worrying about Mahomes, we don't want to become fearful of Mahomes because this defense can take care of Patrick Mahomes. This offense with Jalen Hurts can score on this Chiefs defense. They can move the ball on this Chiefs. I've said it before. If Jalen Hurts is healthy, this offense is inevitable. The 49ers defense was much t- is a much better defense than the Chiefs defense. And the Eagles moved the ball seemingly, even with Jalen Hurts not playing well, throwing it. They were still able to do whatever they wanted. Quarterback or no quarterback for San Francisco. The Eagles absolutely killed the 49ers. That gives me confidence heading into this Super Bowl. I think this game is not going to be a stressful game. Everybody's calling for a close game. I don't see it that way. I think this Eagles team is going to roll up the points on this Chiefs defense. I think they're going to have no problem moving the ball. I think Nick Sirianni is going to be aggressive. I think we're going to see five touchdowns from this offense. I think we're going to see 35 points from the Eagles. And I don't think the Chiefs offense is going to have, I think they're going to have trouble getting on track. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see it be close for a little while. Kind of like it was against the 49ers. I think you might see maybe the Eagles get a late score before the first half and make it like a 10-point lead. Maybe the Eagles get the ball coming out starting the third quarter, make it a 17-point lead. I just see the Eagles keeping the Chiefs at bay for most of this game and it feeling like a relatively comfortable game. I think the Chiefs will probably, they'll mount a challenge at some point, but the I think the Eagles' defense is going to get to the Chiefs' offense. I think the Eagles are going to move the ball. I think Patrick Mahomes is not going to have a great day. I think the Eagles win this game 35-20. to 20. I think it's a 15-point win. And I think we're talking about this Eagles team, this 2022 Eagles team, as one of the NFL's great teams of all time. We've never experienced that. I've talked about that before on this podcast. I've talked, I, I feel like that's what we could, that's what we are looking at here in the Super Bowl. As I look at these teams, this Eagles team is just better in all of the most important places, except for quarterback. And in that case, the quarterback matchup, only slightly better. This, this, this game is set up for the Eagles to win, and I think it's a fairly comfortable win. I'm saying again, 35-20, to 20, Eagles over the Chiefs. All right, folks, we are almost ready for Super Bowl 57, so hope you got this in your earballs before the Super Bowl rolled down. Thanks once again to Ron for coming on the podcast and uh, giving us a breakdown on everything going on with Kansas City. Uh, if, if we're still a little bit of ways away from the Super Bowl, make sure to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day for the latest news and rumors. Uh, sounds like the Eagles are getting healthier. The Chiefs are getting healthier, too. Both these teams should be nearly at full strength. It should be a fun game, and I think we're going to be looking at a parade when all is said and done. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time, hopefully, to recap a fantastic Eagles Super Bowl on your next Eye on the Enemy.